Barber lines up on the right hip. Now shifts to the left hip in the shotgun formation of quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Takes the snap and looks upfield. Good protection. Fitzpatrick throws a deep ball. Downfield toward Mike Evans. Evans at the 30. Takes it in to the 20-10. touchdown Tampa Bay. Ryan Fitzpatrick and that Fitzpatrick thing going. This is a ball game now with 9.57 to go. How about that? And there was some confusion. But... What's up, boys? Tyler from Boston. Um, man, what you guys were saying about Jameis Winston and the turnovers finally caught up to him and it's magic replaced him in this game. Just want to know, do you guys think that this was just a uh, punishment for him and for him, you know, it's in, trying to, it's a Something where Dirk Cutter wants to hold him accountable for this game only, or do you think that Fitzpatrick wound up starting the game next week? I mean, Carolina's carving up a really good uh, Baltimore defense, and I know we're going to need a win, and we're going to need offense. So just want to know what you guys think. Thanks. What's up, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as usual by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com, and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. On today's episode, we are also joined by fellow Bucks Nation member Evan Winter. You can find everything he's doing on Twitter at Evan underscore Winter. And of course, Evan is still on his drive back home. He and I were at the Bengals-Bucks game where Fitzmagic fell just a little short as the Bengals win 37 to 34 on a last second field goal. And guys, the, this conversation is going to be dominated by, of course, Jameis Winston, because as Evan and I were saying during the game and, and throughout the, the afternoon, this was the worst we have ever seen Jameis Winston look. And something that, that I noticed and Evan, I don't know if you picked up on it at all during Jameis's post game press conference. He looked like a guy who was just completely defeated. He looked like that guy who watched someone shoot their dog right in front of him that he, he knows that this is slipping away. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to come in in the fourth quarter and rally this offense and tie the game after the defense was doing their job the entire second half you know, I think it was four or five consecutive three and outs by the defense and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick rallied the troops and, and we had ourselves a ball game. So moving forward and Evan, I'll start with you. You were sitting right next to me all day watching this all unfold. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to be the starter moving forward? Because this, that seems to be the only way that this offense can get going. Well, sitting there watching everything, that was my original thought that, yeah, I mean, this offense just looks so much better, especially against a banged-up defense like the Bengals with Fitzpatrick at the helm. But as you said earlier, I'm on my drive home. I've had a lot of time to think. Still got a couple more hours to think. So I might change my mind again. But I don't think he should be benched. Um, I think Winston should still be the starter. Uh, everybody's got to hit rock bottom at some point, and it's all about how you battle back. Uh, yeah, when, like you said, Winston was visibly shaken during the presser, uh, visibly shaken on the field as well. But I think you roll with them. I think he still gives you the best shot to win. And, of course, you know, here in a couple of weeks, if he still has, you know, another couple of four interception performances where he's making decisions or not making decisions like he did today, then, yeah, you bench him. But right now I think he's still right with Winston. David, how about you? I mean – I, I'm I'm of the belief at this point that you have to ride with Fitzpatrick into the game against the Panthers next week. What do you think? I mean, is this obviously isn't an outlier anymore? Jameis Winston has played 13 quarters of football and he's turned the ball over 11 times. He hasn't even played 
four full games and he's tied for the league lead in interceptions. How, how do you feel that this should go moving forward? He's got to sit, you know, that that's my current opinion. And, and like Evan said, you know, the more time we all have to digest this stuff and everything, it, it could definitely change. And, and I'll admit that as well. But, you know, uh, immediately following the game, I went ahead and wrote something up for the, for the website, you know, saying that, you know, James got, he got benched and he needs to stay there. He needs to stay on the bench. This is his third full game back, right? He's, he started every game since the bye. The, the first couple weeks, like, honestly, I, I just kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, you know, he, he spent those weeks away from the team. He had a, a break in between the preseason performances, the regular season performances. He's playing defen- defensive players and defensive coaches who are kind of getting into, like, midseason stride, and he's still kind of in, in, the, in the takeoff phase. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and still, I say by some of those interceptions weren't his fault. Uh, you know, I got it. But every single interception – this week was his fault. I mean, the the pick six. He even said he saw the defender. Like he saw the defender and still threw it. I mean, that that speaks to a guy who I don't think it's because he doesn't want to. Like I don't think he's just an arrogant kid and and just thinks he knows better than the coaches. I just I think that's where his mind goes in the heat of the moment, where it's I want to make something happen, and that's what we saw today. I mean, it's it reminds me of the the falling backwards pass in in Jacksonville during the preseason last year. It reminds me of. Uh, Florida State, Oregon in the playoffs. I mean, th- this is Jameis Winston, you know, and, and there's some great moments that come out of it and there still will be in his career, whether it's in Tampa somewhere else, whether it's this season or another season. But I don't know, like there's, there's got to come a breaking point and I think today has to be that breaking point. To Tyler's question, kind of like on, on the on the voicemail, like he asked, you know, he kind of asked us if, if this is just a punishment from Dirk or is this a thing? And right now, nobody really knows because even even Coach Cutter at the at the podium, you guys were obviously right there in front of him. He said he doesn't know. You know, he doesn't have to make that decision right now. He's not going to make that decision right now. And I don't blame him for that. So if he doesn't know himself, then there's no way for us to know. But my speculation would be that if they roll Jameis Winston out next week against Carolina, he's got a zero turnover ceiling. And one turnover, it's over. It's done. Um, I think that's where they have to go with him at this point. He's not going to do it on his own, essentially. So they pretty much have to force it out of him with with that kind of a threat hanging over his head. Yeah, and one of the things that I noticed, and I want to get your guys' opinion to see if you notice the same thing. And and it's been a trend for Winston since he returned, but it was definitely on display in this game. And that is, I think the turnover issues in Winston's past have led to more turnovers this season because you watch him drop back and he hesitates a lot. Like he's almost questioning himself when he makes these reads. And then by time he makes a decision, it's too late and it's leading to more turnovers. Whereas when you saw Fitzpatrick come in, he made his decision, he made the throw and he made it quick. There was no hesitating. There was no questioning himself. And you saw the offense explode because of that. Is that something that you guys have kind of picked up on or am I, am I looking at something that's not really there? Well, I definitely think yeah, he's incredibly inside of his own head. Sorry, Evan. Um, that, that's really all I'm going to say on the top because I just, I think he's inside his own head. James, you and I talked about this during the suspension stuff um, that, you know, my concern with him coming out of the suspension is, is James going to come out of this suspension as a team leader returning to his troops? Or is he going to come out of this saying, I'm going to show the world that they're wrong about me because uh, the world isn't on the football field. So if he's going out there trying to prove something to the world, that's what's going to cause a lot of these mistakes. But if he's just going out there playing football, being the quarterback of his team, 
then I think he would he would be able to do better. But what I see is a young guy who's just incredibly in his own head and kind of what you're talking about. A couple times he would attack the line of scrimmage, you know, getting ready to scramble, and it's you can almost see it's like I'm going to run, no, I'm going to throw, no, I'm going to run, no, I'm going to throw. Uh, I'm going to shuttle past the Bengals linebacker. Like, yeah, I, I just think that he's so deep in his own head right now that I mean, whether it's a temporary punishment or a full time deal, like uh, he might actually benefit from a week off. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, there's no doubt at all that it's in his head. I mean, James and I were discussing in the press box, you know, earlier during the game before the collapse happened, um, just about how good he is fundamentally and how sound his technique is. You know, we were talking about his, his shoulder shrugs, his footwork, especially his mobility in the pocket. I mean, all of that has improved by exponential margins this season. But at the end of the day, like I was saying earlier, he's not making the right decisions. He he makes the right reads every now and then, but then, like we're saying, all of a sudden it's just like, what are you doing? You know, especially in the Titans preseason game this year, whenever, you know, he ran back and forth four or five times and fallen backwards, found Godwin in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, that's, that's vintage Jameis Winston, but he's not making those plays right now. He's not falling off his back foot and finding somebody in the end zone. He's, like you said, David, he's shoveling past, he shoveled passing. To, or shovel like whatever shovel passing to a linebacker and getting it inter- intercepted. I mean, in that he can't do that. And at this point, yeah, it's snowballing. And every as soon as he makes one interception, he's already think he's already thinking about the next one. At this point, I believe. So, and sad to say that. Well, gentlemen, whether we believe Winston is going to start or Fitzpatrick is going to start, if anyone was going to have the availability to bet on such a decision. It would be our friends over at MyBookie because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why we always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. Look, David and I would only recommend a service to our listeners that have been good to us. That's why we urge everyone everyone to make their way to MyBookie. You win they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy people out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game. Spoiler alert, Todd Gurley, always take the over. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, when creating your account to claim your dollar for dollar bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Guys, it, it was it was a rough one. It was a frustrating one. But let's let's get away from the Jameis talk for a second, and let's look at some of the positives that came out of this game. And it, it, it was something else that Evan and I were discussing a lot in in the box was the way this defense made adjustments, and that's not something that we saw under Mike Smith. It's continuing to show that Duffner is is starting to change this defense quite a bit. Where the Bengals had 307 yards of total offense in the first half. By by halftime, Tyler Boyd was the number three receiver on the week behind two guys that played full games on Thursday night. He was absolutely dominant. Then the defense comes out in the second half. You had all those consecutive three and outs. They ended up holding the Bengals to a total of 95 yards in the entire second half. Unfortunately, at the very end, 
you know, part of that 95 yards ended in a field goal that ultimately won the game. But, you know, the defense is something that's really starting to click. And, and Carlton Davis had a, had a good day against A.J. Green. Uh, we didn't hear A.J.'s name a whole lot. Joe Mixon, on the other hand, he he just ran roughshod through the defense, at least in the first half. In the second half, again, everybody was pretty much contained. But what were some of your, your takeaways from the defensive performance in their ability to just flip that switch at halftime? And, and Evan, we'll start with you. Yeah, man, I mean, you got to love what you saw. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul had, what, two sacks, two on one of the final drives in the fourth quarter in the, uh, yeah. against the Bengals. I mean, they were absolutely lights out in the second half, and it just it was terrible that the offense couldn't get anything going, you know, in the earlier stages. But, again, we're not talking about the offense. Um, got, one reason why Mixon ran wild on them, I mean, they're missing Gerald McCoy and Quan Alexander two of their most stout interior defenders, you know, up the middle of the defense. And I think that's something we're going to see pretty frequently as the year goes on. I think more teams are going to take advantage of that, and that's just something the Bucks are going to have to adjust to on the fly. But, I mean, you know, even on the fourth and one, on the first drive of the game with the Bengals, they came up with a huge stop after the Bengals just drove right down the field, you know, in four or five plays. I mean, you're absolutely right. Duffner's making the right adjustments. He's putting guys in the right positions. I think they just need to execute a little bit better and we might actually have a decent defense in Tampa Bay. David, what were some of your takeaways from the defensive side of the ball? I was real happy with the defense, even, even in the first half. I mean, you know, Boyd definitely uh, got free a little bit and, and was able to take advantage of, of the coverage, you know, but I think that's, that was, I mean, the, the way that Joe Mixon started the game and obviously you have the threat of AJ Green out there all the time. I think, Boyd's success earlier in the game was just kind of a uh, like a side effect of all those things, you know. Anytime you have, that's why teams love giving getting the running game going so much because anytime your running game is working, you've got linebackers playing more aggressively. Safeties are going to creep up a little bit uh, more than they should and that they usually do, and obviously that you know affects that trickle down affects everything, uh, everything else that, that you're doing on offense. So I think some of that was you know Boyd obviously is a talented player. Uh, the Bucks are playing. We, we already know the Bucks are playing shorthanded in the secondary, as is um, the players that they do have out there are are younger. I don't know how much of it uh, happened, you know, after after Whitehead got banged up, uh, or not Whitehead, uh, MJ Stewart got banged up, and how much of it didn't. You know, um, obviously we'll have to go back to the All Twenty Two and and kind of look a little bit closer at that for answers. But I wasn't so much concerned about how many yards he was putting up, as long as it wasn't becoming a thing where the any any one player was just kind of taking over the game and just doing whatever they wanted and obviously there were a few drives there where that's kind of how it felt but even during those moments I put that more on the offense and you know uh by by virtue James Winston because of the interceptions early on and the missed opportunities to put the Bengals in uh, a little bit of pressure themselves because not for nothing we all know Andy Dalton is not exactly the best quarterback under pressure so if he feels like he's in a shootout or if he's playing from behind that's the kind of that's the kind of moment, you know. Those those are the kind of possessions where a guy like JPP can get to him because he's going to hold the ball a little bit longer, or an interception can happen because he's going to hesitate himself. Uh, you were talking about James Winston hesitating. I saw that a few times uh, from Andy Dalton when I was watching some previous Bengals games, specifically against Atlanta. Uh, I saw him even in his his throwing motion, like he just it it looked slower. So I actually compared it to some other. He was throwing slower against. Uh, on a couple throws against Atlanta than he was in other games. And I just, you know, that just speaks to a lack of confidence. Um, missing out on those opportunities to make Andy Dalton 
uh, you know, bring out the the bad side of Andy Dalton that we see sometimes. It was obviously huge. But second half, like you said already, I mean, the offense put up three points in the second half. You know, bottom line, you can't you can't ask for anything better uh, from from a from a defense as young as and, and as inexperienced as the Buccaneers have right now. So great coaching job, great job by all of them uh, all together, especially missing such key players uh, like Gerald McCoy, Quan Alexander. Right. I mean, and even though they allowed the final scoring drive, I mean, what I think it was four consecutive three and outs. You can't hate on them. I mean, yes, they gave up a clutch drive that lost the game. Yes. But yeah. you still can't take away from the overall performance in the second half. I mean, there's only so much you can do at some at, at point, certain points in time. And eventually you break. And unfortunately, it just happened to be on the last drive. Yeah. I mean, I, I put it in my key plays that, you know, I submitted tonight. Um, you know, nearing halftime, it, you know, it was entering my head. I know it was entering a lot of people's heads. Like, is, is, is James going to get pulled? And I know, James, you want to get away from this whole thing, but – <laughs> if you if you take a pick six off the board, if you take that second interception off the board in the, in the second half, I mean, there's nothing that says Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't going to throw an interception if he if he plays the entire half. But you all saw what I saw. Um, that doesn't look like a quarterback that was going to come in there and throw interceptions. So that being said, although he did have the one throw that could have been picked. Um, that being said, you know if that pick six isn't on the board, but the the points that the Bucks offense was able to get is are, are on the board or were able to get are on the board. That's totally a different drive. That's a totally different game. And what I saw from what I saw again, without being able to go review the coaches' film yet, it, it just looked like the Bucks went kind of back to soft zone coverage, which is disappointing. And you know, I, I would have expected a little bit different from uh, Coach Duffner, but that's kind of what it looked like. Is they were kind of playing a little bit softer, a little bit less uh, physically than they had been the rest of the game. And that's when AJ Green and you know. Uh, the first ball to AJ Green is like, oh come on, guys, you can't. That th- all he needs is a field goal. Like you can't play off. You know what I mean? They they only need a few yards, and then they did it again. They went to uh, they went to AJ again, and he got the ball again. So it was just kind of a, you know, that was kind of an anomaly. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully they never do that again. Because the way I look at end of end of game series, I mean, play the way they got you there. You know what I mean? You got all those three and outs, being aggressive, being physical, playing up on the line here and there. Uh, don't don't get soft at the end, you know, because as soon as that the, the biggest chunk, um, I tweeted this out, actually, the biggest chunk to A.J. Green came when Levante David moved out, of, you know, moved over into the slot and covered and, and covered up A.J. as a cover guy. Uh, you see a linebacker lined up against A.J. Green, that's zone all day. I mean, uh, I can see that it doesn't matter how talented of a quarterback you are. So if you're uh, an NFL caliber quarterback that Andy Dalton is even even him, as soon as you see your your best receiver lined up against a linebacker, that's easy money. I mean, there's there's nothing that's going to stop you from throwing that ball. So you know, that's that was disappointing. But I mean, again, with with the way the game went down, I'm not going to hold that three points and say, oh, the defense let the team down because no, they didn't. No, no, the the defense kept getting the offense the ball back, and Jameis just kept handing it right back to the defense. So. Yeah, the the defense, despite the the struggles in the first half, they did their job. They did exactly what you needed them to do to get back in this game. And unfortunately, it was too little too late. And that was something Evan and I talked about quite a bit after the game was if you put Fitzpatrick in after that third interception, the Bucs win this game. Like there's there's no doubt in our minds the Bucs win this game, even even if that pick six doesn't happen. And let's say you give the the Bengals offense – you know, a, a touchdown 
Fitz would have still had more time with this offense, and I truly believe that the offense puts up enough points to still come away victorious. But, gentlemen, we're coming up on the end of the time, and David, I know we have a few more voicemails. Uh, David and I are going to tackle those on Tuesday's episode. And if you want to send in your own for us to discuss, make sure you give us a call at 813-444-5841. Leave those thoughts, questions, et cetera. Before we get out of here, any any parting thoughts, Evan? Once again, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, this team needs to, and this kills me to say this being a UT Vols fan. I'm out of Nashville, for those who don't know, because that makes me think of Butch Jones. But play freaking complimentary football. If the defense gets a stop, <laughs> Drive down the field and score a touchdown. If you get a turnover, do something on the next on the next drive on offense. If you score a touchdown on offense, get a freaking stop on the next drive on defense. This team cannot do that, and it aggravates the living crap out of me, and it's the reason I have a receding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. David, how about you? Uh, I only have one question, and that is to Evan. So how did you enjoy your first exposure? Because that's what it is, an exposure, not oh, an experience. Geez, I know where this is going. The nightmare that is Cincinnati-style chili. <laughs> Man, if nightmares are runny, brown, and have what you would think ground-up meat in it, then yeah, it was a total nightmare. <laughs> no, but <laughs> honestly, once once James explained to me that it was more of a topping, is like I was saying earlier, I'm from the South. I'm used to chili, and be, chili being, you know, chili. You know, some beans, cornbread, you know, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Once you explained to me it was more of a topping, I kind of backed off. But yeah, if it, if for the for the other uneducated Southerners out there, yeah, don't expect much when you go to Cincinnati and get a bowl of chili. Yeah, they they don't they don't serve it in bowls. It goes on your hot dog. It goes on your spaghetti. But again, well, then there you go. Further showing my ignorance right there. <laughs> gold, gold star and, and skyline are, you know, they're similar, but they're different. And yeah, if I was going to subject Evan to Cincinnati style chili, we would have gone to skyline a, instead of gold star, but Hey, free food is free food. So I'm not going to complain yep. too much. Free is me, baby. Free is me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the only parting thought that I had was um, Peyton Barber played a heck of a game. This might be his best game this season. Um, you know, they were, they were real run heavy early on and, and Barber was getting the job done. It was disappointing to see Ronald Jones leave the game with an injury, but it looks like they're starting to get that run game going. You know, unfortunately the, you know, both the offensive and defensive line had some penalties and, and it, it hurt the team early on, but I was definitely encouraged by what we saw out of Barber today. Definitely. Certainly. So, all right, well, that's going to be it for for this episode. Again, if you want to send us your questions, concerns, comments, hopes, dreams, fears, uh, quarterback strategies, make sure you call 813-444-5841. And if we play your voicemail, of course, you are entered in to win the Quan Alexander jersey at the conclusion of the Bucks season. Make sure you're checking out everything that the three of us are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Evan underscore Winter. Evan, you need to add a Bucks in there somewhere because I was on a roll there for a second and your Twitter handle just kind of messed all that up. <laughs> Blame it on the red hair, man. That's, what, that's always my default. <laughs> all right. Well, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here 
at Locked On Bucks. Avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. <laughs> 